Good Monday morning and welcome to another episode of the podcast, Insanity, a peace of mind. I am your host, Stephanie. I am recording episode 147. I am home, but I am not using the equipment because uh, we're going to have a conversation today. And so we're going to keep going with the nervous system. This will probably be a short podcast, and we're going to focus mostly on neuroception, which is the way we perceive unconsciously, more often than not, our world. And I'm going to start with just a conversation about neuroception. So my husband and I were hiking and we try and listen to the podcast on Monday. And so very often we can just listen to it while we hike and we are listening and we get to the neuroception part, which talks about how our not thinking parts, meaning our non-cognitive perception takes in information. And he said, whoa, whoa, stop, stop. And so I stopped it and he started to uh, describe his experience with what we believe is neuroception. Okay, hon, now you're up. You can go ahead and tell us whatever you want to tell us. It was, it was a lot easier to talk when we're on a hike and you don't have a, <clears throat> a recording underway. Yeah, it is true, but you are not unfamiliar with this <laughs> mode of communicating. So, uh, true enough. Yeah, don't don't pretend. <laughs> okay, so what I was explaining to you is that the um, the description that you gave of how that works was uncannily like something that had happened uh, when. You know, in one of those states where you're not quite um, fully aware of your surroundings, but you're adrift in thought, uh, I got a glimpse of what goes on inside my own uh, my own brain, which is, um, in my view, not unique. I'm assuming that what I caught a glimpse of is exactly what goes on in yours and anyone else's brain wasn't uh, trying to figure anything out. It just, it just sort of happened. Maybe the, um, the corner that you got a glimpse to look around was um, always there. You just, you just never took the opportunity to look at it. But what I, what I, perceived is that our our brains my brain is relentlessly examining everything um everything every beat of the heart every breath you've ever taken every circumstance you've ever been in every conversation you've had everything is stored somewhere in the um in the brain and it's constantly being um, being consulted, being being monitored. Um, <clears throat> a lot was going on, and I'm going to excerpt something to illustrate 
how all that going on um, works uh, and not as an exclusive. I mean, this is, this is true of just about everything, but I'm a lawyer. I go in the courtroom. I handle court cases. Um, a witness is on the stand and they're testifying and their throat gets dry. You can hear a change in their, um, their vocal uh, sound because their throat is dry, which was noticed by me at some level. And uh, that suggested, because of past experiences, of both myself and other people, that when the throat is drying out, you are nervous. And oftentimes that's because you're, you're up against something you don't want to testify about. And instinctively, not this is not a conscious thing. This was just spontaneous in the courtroom. I pursued what the witness was nervous about, not intending to do that, wasn't part of the notes. It was just a spontaneous moment because something came to the attention and the subconscious that this witness was up against something they didn't want to talk about and their throat was dry and pursue it. So I did and um, got good results. The witness, as it turned out, um, pretty much had to flip because they uh, they were going down one ro road, concealing what they didn't want to say and focus on that required them truthfully and under oath to go ahead and to talk about what they were consciously trying to avoid. That's that's an observation that we make, I believe all of us make at a subconscious level about everything going on all the time. The, the, the mannerisms that someone is displaying in front of us, their, their gestures, their eyes, their facial expression, the sound of their voice, everything that you have gone through throughout your entire life with everyone is somehow embedded deep within the, the memory of us all. And we tend to consult that relentlessly all the time. And it, it bubbles up only as an impression at the conscious level. All this stuff is going on subconsciously. It's so um, vast and so interactive and so complex when I got this glimpse that I thought we, we actually couldn't function if this was what was going on consciously. If this is how we were uh, processing information at a conscious level, uh, we, we wouldn't um, be able to survive in the moment because we would be so overwhelmed with all that is being consulted because I think we have a memory of every breath we've taken, every beat of the heart, every moment of everything in your life that goes all the way back to the beginning when perhaps all we had were feelings and couldn't uh, put words to it. We nonetheless, at that time, were recording and um, and preserving the experience that we would later consult. And I think it's cumulative. 
that the more the longer we live the more we have in the data the more we have in the data the more we consult the more we compare and contrast and the person in front of you <clears throat> whether you think you are or not you're evaluating everything about them and consulting uh, so when when you were in your podcast and we were listening to that i thought yeah that that description matches exactly the um the glimpse that i got into the functioning of my own mind and um, i'm kind of grateful that that's not a conscious thing and i'm also grateful that it's something that goes on in the background like a resident program running continuously to to inform us, but it only bubbles up into the conscious level as an impression or as a as a um, thought or a motivation, something less analytical than what's really going on underneath. What's going on underneath is very analytical. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> that's why I asked you to pause because the. Uh, the material you were going over about the evaluation of how the brain functions matches it. Well, yes, and I I really appreciate it when you can make connections. So I don't mind stopping and talking about it at all. So a handful of things have come up for me as I listen to this, you know, for the second time. I want to make a couple of distinctions because he used the brain and the mind interchangeably. Mm -hmm. And there is um, some conversation going on about the difference between the mind and the brain. And I cannot get into that. That is Dan Siegel's work. He does a lot of stuff distinguishing the difference between the mind and the brain. And frankly, it is over my head in some instances. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because last week or the week before, because I'm banking some podcasts here. So forgive me if I'm out of order. The idea that neuroception is not cognitive, and when we think of cognitive, we think of the brain. So I want to make that distinction, which includes my lack of understanding of it all, because neuroception is not cognitive. It is perceived unconsciously, just like you said. The other thing that comes up when you talk about all of the assessing that goes on, and this is certainly true in all of the stuff that I understand about the nervous system and polyvagal theory and the research, is that intuitive. You know, you said, I think you said there is no intuition if we are constantly assessing. Right. You said that to me. Yeah, it, it is if an intuition. It is an intuition. It's actually taking, it's gathering information, which we call intuition. Um, I'm not going to split hairs over that because I don't know whether that's true or not. However, years and years and years ago, I read a book called The Gift of Fear by a gentleman named Gavin DeBecker. I remember you talking about Who that. said, uh, we don't pay enough attention to our intuition and our instincts. I am going to overlay the word neuroception. We don't pay enough attention to the things that we are perceiving neuroceptively to be afraid of the right things and not be afraid of the right things. His theory is that we ignore and override the things we should pay attention to at the expense of others. 
I will link the book in the show notes if I can remember to do so. If not, I will pick up this idea later and talk about it. But I just thought that was interesting. Um, I wanted this, I wanted Denver to talk about this because I thought this was really an interesting thing. You know, there, there's another, there's another part of that, that, that I want to throw out and see if you have any reaction to that. We're constantly monitoring the entire environment, even though we may focus on something that's in front of us consciously, we're also taking in everything. The, the, the sound of birds, the, the, the sound of background noises, the rustling of leaves. When we're out on a hike, we get engaged in conversation. We don't particularly notice what's going on around us, but there are sounds in nature that tell you it's safe, that tell you there's nothing being disturbed. There are also sounds in nature that, that warn you that there is something going on and you know the list of those kinds of things the rattle of a rattlesnake you know we've encountered those on hikes the um the stealthy move through the underbrush of either a predator or birds or rabbits trying to uh, escape your notice the freezing of the deer if you if you look at them they run if you don't focus on them you can get very close to them if if you're making noise ignoring them their instinct is to freeze. We're taking all that in all the time. And, and the uh, neuroceptor, if that's the correct uh, term to use, we feel comfortable in an environment because we're also listening to everything going on and determining whether there is something to fear. So that gift of fear book that you were talking about, and I remember when you, when you were reading it and we're talking about it a few years ago, um, I thought there was a lot to that when, when back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, there's nothing new under the sun, right? Mm. Everything is everything all at once. And I, I cannot speak to the science of Denver's experience. I can't speak to ha whether it fits in hand and glove or whether it's just another piece to the puzzle but it was an interesting enough conversation that it was worth talking about because it's unconscious and because the because the nervous system and the polyvagal system theory is self-regulating it is important to start to pay attention to what you can discern in your own life and in your own experiences you may not get a glimpse that opens up everything, but you may get a glimpse on when you feel most calm or when you feel most dysregulated, when you feel uh, a certain way in response to something over and over and over again. Last week's podcast talked about the polyvagal and the nervous system, and it was analogized to a house with systems running in the background. So I'm going to encourage you again to pay attention to the best of your ability to how you perceive cognitively and then maybe really try and tune into maybe some neuroception that you we can't get all of it it's like denver said if we could get all of it or even a fraction of it we'd probably lose our minds that's too much information to be taken in we have to filter and we filter more or less based on safety or danger. 
That is how we perceive it. If we are in a state of trauma or trauma responses, we generally perceive danger more often than it actually exists. And we perceive safety less often than it is in reality. So I'm just dropping some ideas. I'm probably going to end this podcast here. It was nice. I wanted to make one more point, okay. though, because um, this last comment you just made, um, the, there have been people that y you have been very cautious about or you have suggested that you you are concerned about them, you don't trust them, you you, you don't have a good feeling about them. And it hasn't taken you long. And, you know, there are people who have come into my life that you have then met, you have responded about saying you don't have a very good feeling about this person. And it, it I mean, early on, it didn't take long for you to do that. It may have taken months or years before um, I came to the conclusion that, uh, yeah, these were problematic people, and they had some, um, they had some mischief about them. But it was uncanny to me that you did that quickly. I mean, a matter of hours, and you were there. But almost inevitably, in hindsight, I think you've you, your your reaction. Um, proved to be right on the money. And it would be very interesting to figure out what it was about the demeanor, what it was about the, the eyes, the face, the body language, what it was about them that uh, tipped you off. Because something did. Mm -hmm. And yeah. whatever it was, it worked. Yes. And this has been since we got married, because I can think of three very specifics. Yeah. Um, and so this started a long time ago. And because I can control who comes into my life personally, I am sure I have done it with me as well, but I exclude them from my life early on because I cannot control other people's lives. I may have a sense about uh, one of my kids and a friend or you and someone who's coming into your life. But since I have no control, a lot of times those people will stay around and stay around and stay around and stay around and stay around, and stay around until finally the truth, whatever that truth may be, comes out and yeah. everybody says, oh yeah, mom was right. Oh yeah, Steph was right. Yeah. Okay. One other thing, because you listened to the polyvagal theory, mm -hmm. the Stephen Porges uh, training that I did a year or so ago. And you listen to a lot of that with me. And so I don't expect you to speak to that, but I just think it's interesting because you will engage in those things with me. And I think that's very helpful because the other day when we were listening to the podcast, you said something about what you thought I had already done. And I said, no, I hadn't done that. And then we realized that it was because you had listened to the training. I did, yeah. The polyvagal theory science as presented by Stephen Porges is actually unbelievably fascinating. It talks about face. It talks about muscles. It talks about hearing and prosody and the sound of voices. So neuroception is all encompassing. I don't know if any of you are going to be interested enough in, in this to look into Stephen Porges and some of the work that he does, 
because I've said this before, this is a science for him. The fact that it became a mental health pra uh, theoretical practice was because the there are people out there who said, this is it, we can work with this. And so they turned it into a, a theory usable for therapy and mental health. But it is so subtle. It's eye movement, it's facial tics, it's the sound of voice, it's how we hear voices. It's high pitch, low pitch. It reminded me of the of the TV series Lie, Lie to, to Me. me. Yeah. yeah. It is everything. So this is just kind of a fun podcast. I'm kind of dumping in the middle of polyvagal and the nervous system because I thought that was um really fascinating what uh you know what we stopped upon when we were out on that hike. So again, what's your takeaway? Leave me some comments. Tell me what you're learning. Tell me what more you want to know. We're now four podcasts in on brain, nervous system, and polyvagal. What do you want to know? Because I'm, I'm willing to, I'm using this in therapy. This is something that is very, very effective for all ages. So thank you for, you have any last thoughts? No, but you usually end with a quote. Will you record that separate? I will later? record that separate. We are going to break this point. I will find a quote and I will record it. And I will uh, I will bank another podcast to be dropped when I will not be available to do so it. So I'm assuming this is like, um, like a uh, Mormon bishop calling someone to speak in sacrament meeting. Once you've done it, you can then rely on the fact that you've done it and you don't have to come back and stand at the uh, at the podium any you know, longer. I've, I've given my talk, so I don't think, I'm done. I don't think that's really what you think. <laughs> so we'll just end there with this portion of the podcast. Thanks, sweetie. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to remind you all that I do not know everything there is to know about the nervous system. I do not know everything there is to know about polyvagal. I am a babe in the woods as I try and navigate all of this. I do know that it's significant and that there is something to it. And with that, I'm going to leave you with a quote by Abraham Hicks. I am born with a guidance system that tells me everything I need to know. And have a great week. Mm -hmm.